This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Church for the Rest of Us. I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, as always, and Pastor Derek Simpson, our engineer, Carly Seelman. And we're going to do a bonus episode today about Christianity and citizenship. How do Christians function in a political climate, especially one as, I don't know, it's supercharged the way that it is right now. I mean, even today, as we're recording this, the Amy Coney Barrett Confirmation hearings are underway. We have a big election coming up. Our community and our church are very polarized in a lot of ways, as is our nation. And it feels really, really divided out there. I don't know, Leslie, what are we going to do about it? I don't know. What are we going to do about it? We talk a lot about this, and I feel like you have a great way of leading our church through this. So we were just going to have a conversation today about some of the things that we're talking about at Family Church and helping people think about this COVID-19 election. So elections in America are always divisive in this day and age, but now we have this added layer. And so we just wanted to talk about how we could help people think through this. One of the things that you encourage us to do to be good citizens is pay attention to our cultural context. So what is going on in our context right now? I don't know, Derek, you also pay attention to these things. So how would you describe our cultural context that we are in right now? Yeah, it feels a little frayed, doesn't it, Leslie? Yeah, it's just interesting. And we preached on this topic this past Sunday at our downtown campus and our family church at home. And so it's just, it's interesting to see when you start talking about politics and the intersection of Christianity, people get, their nerves are already heightened. They seem to get even a little bit more on edge. And it's just, it's interesting to see. Derek, you interact with a lot of young couples, particularly that attend our downtown campus. I'm just curious as to how you think younger couples are feeling, like people under 40. So millennials and Gen Zers, how are they feeling about this election, especially those who are, you know, they're, they would call themselves Christians. Yeah, that's true. You know, what I'm seeing is I'm actually seeing people move on different ends of the spectrum. So I'm seeing some people lean harder into politics and it becoming more of almost more of an idol and more of like a religion, they, a, a religion that they worship. But unfortunately, I'm also seeing a lot of people that are just looking at the rhetoric and just all the negativity around it and saying, hey, I don't want any part of that and actually seeing them disengage, which is for me really, really concerning. Yeah, I think that I see that in my own kids, that that's really happening as they interact with these things. And the fact is, like, not all Christians agree on these things. I feel like there was a day and age where it seemed like there was more uniformity in the ways that Christians, or at least in my world, the way that Christians approach some of these things. And now that's no longer a given. And so you have people from all different walks of life who see things very differently. So what we've talked a lot about, Pastor Jimmy, is how do we focus on unity and the things that are really important? We just happened to be studying, I say happened in quotations, the book of Colossians. And so as we were studying the book of Colossians, it talks a lot about how believers are supposed to be knit together and joined together over the gospel. And so do you want to interact a little bit with the things that we've been teaching our church as we've looked at the book of Colossians? Well, one of the things, you know, the book of Colossians, the kind of the thesis statement is that Jesus is supposed to be preeminent, that, well, he actually is preeminent. And what we as Christians do is recognize his preeminence. 
And then what we do as part of our Christian discipleship is we actively seek to put Jesus at the center of every aspect of our life. So we've been teaching through that, talking about Jesus when it comes to our theology, when it comes to our politics, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our families, when it comes to our marriages, parenting, our work relationships, putting Jesus at the center of our character development. All of those things are articulated directly and very helpfully by St. Paul. And so that's how we've been talking about it. And then when it comes to this idea of unity, the thing that unifies us is not that our families all look the same or that our skin color looks the same or that our language is the same or that we work the same kind of jobs. What unifies us is that we've all been saved by Christ, that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Mm -hmm. And if you're a believer, you've been raised with Christ. He has taken away your sins. He's erased the record of your debt, St. Paul writes. And then because of all of that, what we really need to do is not be captive by our circumstances, political or our health or our financial circumstances here on earth, but that our mind and our focus is actually set on things above where Christ is. Mm -hmm. And so this is how St. Paul articulates all of this. And then as a result of that, we're looking for open doors. We're asking God to give us open doors so that we can take the mystery of the gospel, that's a mystery to people who aren't Christians, and help them understand it better. So Paul says, I want to take the mystery and I want to speak clearly about the mystery. So we're supposed to bring clarity to the mystery of the gospel. And we're asking God to empower us by his spirit to open doors, give us words to say so that we can do that powerfully and effectively and see people come to Christ. Yeah. So one of the first principles that we've talked about is as believers in Jesus, that we put Jesus above all, that we put the gospel above all, regardless of what we think about anything. We want to center on the unity that we have in Christ. Another verse that people often quote is Galatians about how there's no, you know, male nor female nor Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, that we're all united in Christ. So we just want to shepherd our people to remember that no matter what happens, we're going to keep Jesus above all. We're going to keep the gospel above all. And then what are some other things that we talk about? We talk about this idea of having this ethos of fundamental unity and equality Mm -hmm. and inclusivity in our church, because we think that's what's modeled in the New Testament. And the verse in Galatians that you referenced, there's a very similar verse in the book of Colossians, says something very similar. So Paul is trying to help people break down these barriers that are between people that would separate people. And the gospel, part of the role of the gospel in our lives is to tear those things down. So Derek, what we want to do at Family Church is we want to create almost like an oasis, an oasis in the world, an outpost in the world of fundamental equality and unity and love and grace and inclusivity where we're pulling people in and lifting them up. And we want to do that in a way that directs people to Christ from wherever they are right now. Yeah, that's exactly right, Pastor. And I think you know that idea of preeminence is a really important idea for us because what we're not saying is that policy conversations or political conversations are not important. They are important and we ought to have them as Christians and we ought to have them as citizens of our country and wherever we live, but that we're not making those identities and those conversations and those perspectives the most important thing about us. That when you come to family church, the most important thing that unites all of us is our belief in the gospel and our belief in Jesus. Yeah. And those things are important. I mean, Jesus gave us direct instructions about that. Jesus said that believers are supposed to be salt and light in the world. That means we're supposed to, we call it being a gritty difference maker, yeah. the grit of salt and the, the difference, the distinctiveness of salt. So we're going to be gritty difference makers here in this world. And Jesus said, along with that, you're supposed to be like a city on a hill. So a believer or a believing family or a church family is supposed to be like a city on a hill. So 
That means that all of the people that are around us should see us distinguishing ourselves because of the way that we live as salt and light, because of the way that we do things like Jesus said, like, so we go the extra mile. We do more for others than others would do. We turn the other cheek so we don't retaliate the way that other people would retaliate. We give the cloak off our back. We give more than people would expect us to give. And if we'll function like that, then we kind of capture the idea that the prophet Jeremiah said to the exiles in Babylon, you need to pray and seek the welfare of your city because in its welfare, you find your welfare. So this is what we're trying to do as we're salt and light, city on a hill, outposts of the kingdom, Christians trying to elevate the welfare and the flourishing of our neighbors and our neighborhoods and our cities. And as we do that, hopefully we can be a blessing and show people what the kingdom of heaven is really all about. And it's super important that we do that for all people. That's right. right. So we can't distinguish who we're going to do that for. I like how you talk about how this idea of equality is actually not just an American idea. It's a Bible idea. So this idea that all men are created equal, that comes from the Bible. So we want to look at people regardless of the differences that we have with them, especially political differences. Because, I mean, we've seen things on social media. I know I have like moms saying I'm not ever going over to my daughter's house because of the candidate that she supports and, you know, daughters saying, I don't ever want my mom to watch my kids ever again if she's going to support that candidate. And I'm thinking, this is what it's come to. <laughs> this is very scary that we would, you know, cut off relationships that we have with our own family, with our church, because of political views when the gospel calls us to unity and equality, like you said. So another important idea, again, is just choosing kingdom thinking over political thinking. So how do we balance that? So how are we supposed to be involved, keep our minds on things above and still be involved down here on earth? Like, what would you say to believers who are trying to find that balance? Or what does the Bible say? Well, theologians have talked about this. St. Augustine talked about being in the city of man and simultaneously in the city of God. So we are dual citizens at all times. So we're legitimately citizens of the United States of America, those of us who live here. And that matters to God and the stewardship of our citizenship and how we exercise our citizenship all should point people to Christ. So Jesus should be even at the center of our citizenship. He's preeminent in all things. But we've got to remember that our ultimate and most important citizenship isn't our citizenship in the United States of America. Our ultimate and most important citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven, that we're going to spend a very limited and temporary time here in the United States of America, but we're going to spend an eternity in the new heavens and the new earth with Christ. And so we've got to constantly be thinking about how what we do here reflects what we will be doing there. And that's a powerful, powerful idea. That idea that the kingdom of heaven is coming and it's going to be better and the wrong things are going to be made right has sustained Christians for generations and generations for millennia who've had to endure persecution and torture and death, who've been economically marginalized, who've been physically harmed. Christians over the course of church history, and even in many places in the world today, have experienced all these things. Well, the only way that they can make it through that and hold on to their faith is to have a visionary, hopeful eschatology to say, hey, this is what we're going to endure now as we're salt, light, city on a hill Christians, but there's a better day coming where we'll be with Christ in glory. And that's another thing that Paul says in Colossians chapter three. Yeah. And, you know, that's such a helpful concept. And that idea of 
the fact that we need to be a prophetic witness to the people that we're living with now is a really important idea as well, because the teachings of Jesus ought to put us at odds at certain times with our favored political party or our preferred candidate. And sometimes it's going to align us with the opposition party, the opposition candidate. And it's important that we not be so aligned with a person or with a political system that we can't critique that. We can't critique those people when their policies don't align with what we think is best as Christians. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I think there's a temptation. Leslie, you referenced this at the beginning of our podcast. I think all three of us would say we were raised. I mean, Carly, you you became a Christian really as an adult, Mm -hmm. but we were raised in churches where politics was kind of really injected into the mainstream of our church life. And I went to mostly, you know, white churches that were mostly patriotic and Republican. And so it was just kind of assumed if you attended our church, you were a Republican and everybody was. And so they wouldn't endorse them. But I mean, it was just kind of assumed they would make jokes about politicians or elected officials from another party. And everybody would kind of laugh and they would lash out at, you know, people of another party, particularly Democrats in my case. And boy, I think that turns out to be unhelpful, especially today. And now that we all are part of a multicultural church, we have a multiplicity of perspectives that are deeply held because we have new immigrants to our country. That's right. And we have people who are undocumented immigrants to our country. And we have a lot of black people and black families. And we have We have people from all these different countries, and they didn't grow up with their dad serving in the army, listening to country music, and watching Fox News and voting Republican their whole lives. And what do you know? They're Christians, too. And so what are we going to do with that? Right. Yeah. And I think what you were referencing earlier is so important is where do we put our hope? And I think that's where sometimes people get a little sideways as they start putting their hope on things on earth and the person that's going to deliver us here on earth and forget that we have to put the kingdom of heaven above that. Not that the other's not important, because it is, and people should hold firm convictions, and they should vote their convictions, and they should definitely vote, but we can't put, we can't get it reversed. The final thing, Pastor Jimmy, that you say that does tend to be a little bit more controversial, at least okay, in some circles, <laughs> is that we should want a free nation, not a Christian nation. So tell us what you mean when you say that. Well, since I grew up, I was kind of taught this stream of belief that America was a uniquely Christian country. It was founded by Christians on Christian principles and that God maybe even had his hand in a special way on the United States of America in a way that he didn't have his hand on other countries. And I don't think anyone actually said it this way, but almost suggested like America was almost like a new version of Israel, Mm -hmm. that we were sort of a chosen land and a chosen people who were set apart by God to be a city on a hill. I think there is some truth to all of that. I think when you really study history a little bit more objectively, what you find out is that America was founded by some Christians and many who were not, not according to how we would define Christianity. A lot of Christian principles and thinking and biblical principles did go in and were wrapped up in the founding of our nation. And I think that's important to say and acknowledge and to celebrate. Like I think, the you know, to me, the most American idea of all is this idea that you referenced, Leslie, that all men are created equal and are endowed with certain inalienable rights. That is the most American ideal of all, but it explicitly articulates there is a creator. Everyone's created by God. The reason we all have value is because we are created in the image of God. 
And that's why we have rights and that our rights don't come from a government. Our rights come from God. That is the most American idea, but that's a Bible idea. That is clearly a Bible idea, and we ought to celebrate that. Unfortunately, almost all of our founding fathers were slaveholders, which means they believed in a race-based system of slavery, which means that they were all racists. And many of them even wrote at the time about their own understanding of their own hypocrisy at signing the Declaration and fighting and bleeding and dying for that principle while simultaneously holding slaves and participating in a race-based system of chattel slavery. And so I don't think we should gloss over that or make excuses for that. I think we should celebrate the right idea that they wrote down and fought for. I'm glad that they did. But, boy, our nation hasn't always lived up to that and doesn't always live up to that. It doesn't make it the wrong idea. It's the right idea. It's God's idea. It's a Bible idea. It's a Christian idea. I think Christians of every nation in the world should identify that as a vital biblical principle and should hold it in their hearts and push for it in their systems as much as they are allowed to. And to me, that's what we want. So when I say we want a free nation, not a Christian nation, what I mean is we don't really want a Christian nation because by a Christian nation, that would mean some version of Christianity would be preeminent and some group of Christians would begin to legislate and mandate what acceptable Christianity looks like. I don't want to live in a country like that. I don't want to live in a theocracy. Mm. I want to live in a place where people are free to live out their faith as they see fit, to follow the one true living God or not, where we can vocalize our faith and articulate it and speak freely about it, where we can try to persuade others about our faith. And in turn, they can try to persuade us. And we just believe that if the gospel and the claims of Christ are able to compete in the free marketplace of ideas, we believe that the claims of Christ are so compelling and so much more compelling than the claims of atheism or any other religion we think the claims of Christ will be extremely persuasive and compelling to a lot of people. And that's the kind of country that we want to live in. Yeah. And actually, I mean, the idea of a Christian nation has been tried several times throughout history and it never turned out well for the nation or for the church. That's true. It's not like it, it's not like it hasn't been tried. That's a great point Derek. And I think that that's, you know, history is littered, especially European history is littered with Christian nations. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get a little bit practical for our listeners. What are some practical steps that any kind of pastor or ministry leader should take as they lead in this season? What are some things that you would advise people to do right now? Well, one, I would encourage our listeners, especially if you're leading churches, I would encourage you to refrain from trying to Christianize candidates that don't need to be Christianized. Okay, so I see people on the left and the right, Republicans and Democrats, trying to Christianize their candidate unnecessarily in my view. Look, we're not electing a pastor. We're not electing a Sunday school teacher. We're not installing a deacon. They don't have to meet First Timothy 3 qualifications to be the president. So I think as we elect leaders, I think we ought to elect the leader with the best character that most aligns with our values, but we shouldn't try to Christianize somebody who doesn't need to be Christianized. It's not, Christians don't have to vote for Christians is my point. The other thing is I would encourage church leaders to refrain from universalizing your political perspective. So when you hear someone saying, hey, there's no way a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian could ever vote for X party candidate or Y party candidate, I think it's extremely unhelpful because it's not true. And so what's going to happen is people are going to set priorities 
on issues and policies that are important to them. So like for me and my family, for instance, we're pro-life. And so someone who's going to stand against abortion on demand and try to protect the life of the unborn, that's going to be a high priority for us in how we vote. I do recognize that someone else may come along and say, that is a priority, but I actually have a higher priority. So I've had Christian brothers and sisters say to me, well, I actually think that Democrats have done more to lower actual abortion rates than Republicans. Republicans have had the power to make it different and they haven't been able to do it. And I think Democrats care more for the oppressed and the poor. And I see that as a higher priority. Now, I may or may not agree with that, but the point is we have to give other believers space and room to have different priorities. And then finally, I would say, let's not make our politics a litmus test for faith and friendship. I think it's very unhelpful. So when you read tweets or you even hear in our own lives of families literally being divided and unable to have meals together because I'm voting for this candidate and you're voting for that one, or people, which I get multiple, I've had multiple emails in this last six months from people on the left and right sending me emails and saying, I'm leaving the church because you support this candidate or you support that candidate or you didn't give my view enough support or you didn't give that view enough support. And people are making a religion out of their politics. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame because we've got to be transcendent in what we're grabbing onto. And what we really need to do is what Paul said, set our eyes on things above so that the things on earth matter, but we're not captive with our emotional, our spiritual, our psychological well-being cannot be captivated by our circumstances here on earth, nor our Supreme Court justices, nor who holds the Senate, nor who holds the White House. Yeah. Would you add to that, Derek, because you pastor a lot of people, lead a lot of people as well? Yeah, I think just reinforcing that idea that even some things that are important policy matters that Christians should have strong opinions on, those are downstream of discipleship. And at our church, at our church and in our cultural context, we're connected with a lot of people that are far from God. They're just kind of stepping their toe into the waters of Christianity, so to speak. And some of these convictions they've held for a long time, they've been passed down almost by generations. And so the idea that the gospel and the Holy Spirit over time changes people's hearts and minds, that's a discipleship issue that I think is really, really important that we sometimes lose sight of, especially when we're so caught up in our red jersey and blue jersey kind of culture. Yeah, that's so good. I hate it when it's a barrier to people. Like we don't want to put barriers to the gospel to people because they, you know, we want to lead with the things that unify us instead of the things that divide us. We actually put together a resource at our church that we'll put in our show notes called Jesus at the Center of Our Politics and a little video that we made with our team. So we're going to put that in our show notes. And then Pastor Jimmy, I think we have something coming up. Do you want to mention to our listeners? I don't know if we've told them yet about our conference that's coming up in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In February, we've got a church for the rest of us conference. We've had this conference several years before. We've always called it Sharper. It's a similar conference, but it's called Church for the Rest of Us. It's going to be an in-person conference. We'd love for you to come. For many of you, South Florida in February, you haven't been to a conference in a year because you've been shut down. Let this be your first one. Come hang out with us. We can get some time with you. It is a small conference. There are no green rooms. If you will show up, you will get to talk to everybody on our team. I'll be hanging out. Everybody hangs out with everybody. And we'd love to just get some time with you. We'd like to learn from you and hear what you're doing. Why don't you come join us for church for the rest of us? 
And we'll be following all the correct protocols at the time, whatever they are. Right now, it would be masked and distancing. It probably still will. But why don't you come and be a part of that? Look, even in COVID, it's cold in February where some of you guys live. (laughs) You should come here where it's warm and beautiful. February 4th, 2021. We do have a virtual option as well. So churchfortherestofus.com. All right. Any closing thoughts before we sign off for today? I just think it's so important that we have an appropriate emphasis on salt and light living here on earth because what happens on earth matters. We've got to remember that everything happening with our government is temporary and we've got to keep our eyes on Christ who's seated with God the Father in heaven above. And if we'll do that, we'll be able to navigate these difficult waters Mm -hmm. of politics in our time. Excellent. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thanks for listening. Look forward to hearing from you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time. This is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.